This is Andy Purrow for Boxing Social in association with Betfred, and I'm delighted to be joined by Jamie Moore over Zoom. Jamie, how are you doing? I'm all right, Andy. How are you, pal? I'm good, I'm good. I'm um, looking forward to the game tonight as well as the boxing. Obviously, you've been a Man U fan, I'm a West Bromwich Albion fan, so hopefully, I don't know whether this goes out tonight or he goes out tomorrow, but hopefully I'll be the one celebrating by the time we next speak. Yeah, sorry about yeah. that, mate. It's not gonna happen, but uh, you, you know, you can only hope. <laughs> right, we can only hope, but you never know. You never know. Um, yeah, let's obviously get into some boxing talk. Uh, a, a few different places we can start with yourself, Jamie. Uh, the, probably the most recent news which we haven't had a chance to speak on is Dave Allen's retirement. Yeah, Jamie, just kind of from your point of view, what was your thoughts on it? How did the conversation go with Dave when he came to you? Yeah, I mean, I said to him, um, my reaction to it was, listen, if you're coming out and saying this stuff, then you probably, you probably six months ago, you was, you was thinking about retiring. I knew I sort of, he toyed with the idea after David Price said that I was part of the conversation when he first rang me up. Um, but it, it's the right decision. If, if that's how he's feeling, the boxing, a boxing ring is the worst place you can be if if you don't actually want to be in there I did it in my last fight I, it was the only fight in my whole career where I was in the ring thinking what am I doing here and and it's a lonely place to be when 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 them thoughts are in your head so uh and especially when they're sort of the polar opposite to what usually you, the feelings would be you sort of be thriving off the occasion you, you really want to be there and be involved in a fight so he's made the right decision he's had um He's probably overachieved what he what he ever anticipated he would do as a fighter. Um, he's become a you know massively popular figure on the British boxing scene. So um, so you know he can be proud of himself and uh, and I think he'll stay involved as a character. I don't think he should he sort of sort totally walk away. I'd love him to be involved in some form around the game because he's a good asset to have and you know he's a character. He's, he sells himself well on social media, and I think that um, I think that it'd be a shame if he if he sort of walked away and didn't wasn't involved in the future. Jamie, let's say if maybe in six to twelve months' time, Dave was to turn around and he changed his mind. He wanted to kind of get back in the gym. He wanted to see what was what. Would you be willing to take him back on, or would you say no? Listen, you've said what you've said, and you don't you wouldn't want to be involved. Well. That's a that's a difficult question because, you know, it's, people change their mind and and everyone's circumstances are different. So so something a decision what I would make today isn't necessarily one what I'd make in six or twelve months time the same as Dave Allen. So so I can't answer the question what 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 would I turn around to him and say in twelve months time if he turns around and come back. But the way I feel at the moment is that he's made the right decision. And, you know, again, talking about experience, I tried, I, I toyed with the idea of coming back sort of 18, 12, 18 months after I retired. Sparred a few times and realised the reason why I retired 18 months before. So it's... I feel like I would be in a good position to give him advice and say, Dave, listen, I've been here. I know what it's like. I wouldn't advise you to do it. And and then obviously, depending on my situation then, you know, in terms of how many fighters I've got, who I'm involved with, the time frame, um, it all depends on them. But 
but I, I, I honestly don't think that's going to happen. I think, you know, I spoke to Nige about it and and explained to him what had happened. And Nige's words were, you know what, I hope he finds peace. I hope he can just be happy. And that's all we can ever ask for anyone. And, um, and you know, Dave, Dave is, he loves boxing and, and he's loved entertaining people. I just hope he can find that peace on the other side of the ropes, stay involved. I know he loves helping the kids um, who he's been, you know, especially Danny and the other lads. And I'm just hoping that that can sort of quench his thirst for it and keep him involved. Um, because someone with them sort of traits where you want to go out and help people, they're, they're worth the weight in gold, you know what I mean? Especially two people who need that help. So if he's willing to sort of offer his help to people and stay involved in that way and develop people and give something back, then I think that's the uh, the best way forward for him. Jeremy, we've obviously seen the sparring uh, sparring footage of him and Alexander Usyk. Dave pointing out the moment when he thought he'd been knocked out. Um, obviously, he wasn't, but he said that he felt he'd been knocked out. Had you seen that footage prior to Dave releasing it, and or have you had you had spoken to Dave about it before he made it public knowledge? Yeah, I, I, he sent he sent it me straight away, so I seen it straight away, and um, and he was sort of laughing about it, saying, you know, I can't believe this has happened, and I was like, what the fuck are you doing walking so well? Do sit with your hands around your waist, and he said, oh, I, I sparred really well, and I probably just got a bit. He was right in the towards the end of the last round, and. I, probably just got a bit overconfident. But it wasn't a concern or a worry because it was blatantly obvious he'd walk straight in with his hands down. It was he was in with you sick. So it it that could have happened in a normal situation where his hands were up. You know, it's not um it wasn't a massively strange scenario. Um but nobody knows what's going on in a fighter's head. And there was obviously more going on in Dave's head than than was sort of on the surface because like I say on the surface of it a fighter can get wobbled in sparring at any point in his career and it not be an issue whereas to Dave it obviously meant more to him and felt more to him inside than it did um, to everybody else so um, so yeah it was I was surprised he put it out there to be honest but you know looking at it from a psychological point of view I feel like he's he's bared his soul to everyone and been brutally honest to make himself go, there we go. I can't come back now. You know, these, these, I've, I've told everyone the reasons and I've not, um, and I've not held back. So, so in 12 months time, if I do turn around and say, I'm going to fight again, people have got the ammunition to turn around to me and go, yeah, but you retired for this reason. So that's why you shouldn't be fighting. So, so yeah, Time will tell, won't we? But um, I've got a feeling he's made the right decision and he's going to go on. And I think he'll be successful when he puts his mind to something. Dave, he's really, uh, he he really puts his mind to it. But it's got to be something what he enjoys doing because I feel like he's probably one of them people who gets bored easily. So, um, so if he's involved in helping people, which is obviously a passion of his, then I think he'll be successful. We know it's been a frustrating period for Dave with regards to fights. He was meant to. Um, against Christopher Lovejoy that falling through for circumstances I can't really sum up and then he was due to fight on this card this week didn't have an opponent announced obviously announced his retirement um, do you feel that kind of these past couple of weeks going back to the Lovejoy thing was 
a, a significant factor in Dave's decision in the end, the fact that he'd been frustrated, never had the opportunity to get back out, or was that just kind of a, a small added? It was probably, that? yeah, it's probably the straw what uh, broke the camel's back, that sort of scenario. I think if the Lovejoy fight had have happened, it was a, uh, when you talk about risk reward, it wasn't that risky, I didn't feel, when, when you know, con compared to his record. And and he was getting well paid for it. And then he'd have probably got a bigger fight afterwards. But I wasn't really totally aware of his mindset. But, you know, now, now he's been totally honest afterwards. You know, I wasn't aware of that. And um, so, I'm, so I'm glad in a way that the fights have fell through because, like I say, it's the worst place to be in a ring when, when you're having those type of thoughts. But... Um, so, so just let, I'm being deadly honest though. Talent, you know, talent-wise, he, he's not sort of over the hill or past it. You know, he, he, he's probably got a few miles on the clock what he could have done without. But he was performing really well, and uh, and and he got him got himself in great shape. So, but but then maybe that was because he realised that the miles were adding up on the clock. So he had to make sure he was in better shape to make sure he could better prepare himself to look after himself. So, um, so yeah, long as you're of it is, he's made the right decision and um, could he still go on for another couple of years? Yeah, but that could be detrimental to his health in the long run, which no, that no one ever wants to see that. You know what I mean? Final thing on it all, Jamie, the pair of you never had the chance to share the ring as a, a corner, as, as, as he's trying in the corner and obviously as a fighter. Any regrets at all of that, not being able to kind of see what could have happened between the pair of you? Not really. I mean, it, it, a couple of years before he came to me, people were talking about it, saying you should go with Jamie. I think you're a good suit. So I never have any regrets, Andy. I always think that everything happens at the exact perfect time for the exact reason that it, that, that it happens. So, so Dave came to me, and I feel like the small time we had together there was a bit of an impact on his mentality and the way he thinks about things. So, in, in a positive way, I mean. So, I feel like it was beneficial for us both um, because I always think, like, I learn things off people like Dave, you know, different types of characters and, and people with different mentalities. You learn stuff all the time. And uh, so, I feel like it was pretty educational for us both. And uh, and he said some nice things about me, which, uh, which I was really grateful of because, because of the small amount of time that we've spent together really in, in comparison to everybody else it, he obviously feels like he's had an impact on his life so so in in that sense even though we didn't have a fight doesn't mean that it was wasted time you know it's was, it was time well spent obviously moving forward jamie and on to jack catrall obviously he fights next weekend um i will attempt to pronounce his opponent's name abdurazak huya uh, don't know if that's right or wrong, so apologies if it isn't correct. But uh, Jamie, just talk to me about what you're expecting to see from Jack next weekend. Jack Catterall is the most patient man I've ever come across in my life. I promise you, he is. Um, he's been so patient. He's he deserves this fight, even though it's not the fight what he wants, because you know he's been sat around. He, he's been in the gym up constantly all the way through lockdown, as soon as we was allowed back in the gym, even before that, he's never stopped keeping the tools sharp and keeping himself ready just in case 
the phone went and they said, right, you've got four weeks or whatever. Um, so for a fighter at the level he's at, to, to apply himself the way he's done and just constantly be in the gym, even though he knows that he's 99%, there's not going to be a fight around the corner. Testament to his to his character. Um, this fight is is what it is. It you know he's agreed to step aside to let Ramirez fight Taylor. Um, so he just needs to stay busy. So he's not the most dangerous fight in the world. But by the same rule, we couldn't just get someone who was going to blow away because that's not good for Jack Catterall. He needs to be kept on his toes. Um, so it, so it needs to get the right balance of opponent where it's not too dangerous to risk the fight in front, but he gets enough out of it to keep his tool sharp and um, get a few rounds under his belt. But the form he's in at the minute, I feel like, you know, any any 10-stone fighter in the world he's capable of beating, without a doubt. And um, we know how good Taylor and Ramirez are. Um, I don't think we know yet how good Jack Carroll is. And uh, and I think the better opposition, the better we'll see him perform. So, um, so I'm excited about it. I'm excited for Jack because... He just wants to fight, and um, and I'm hoping that Taylor wins, for for from a British point of view, because you, you're looking at probably an homecoming to Edinburgh Castle when the crowds are allowed back in, and um, in probably May May time next year, it'll be Jack Carroll versus Taylor, which will be a massive fight for Britain. What do you know about Jack's opponent next weekend, Jamie? Only what I've seen on on the videos from YouTube from when the opponent got agreed and, and sent through. So he's basically uh, quite tall, upright, not a bad jab. Um, but for, for someone as tall and rangy as he is, he gets caught quite a bit um, on the second phase out of his feet. So defensively, he's not that great. And, uh, and that can only um, that can only present problems for him in, in terms of when he's fighting Jack Catterall because, like I say, he's in, he's in the form of his career. He's 27 now. He's re- coming right into his peak. So... Next year, when he, you know, when he gets these big fights, it'll come at the perfect time for him. I've been saying to him all this time when he's been, you know, frustrated about not getting his opportunity. Eventually, when you do, it'll make it all that sweeter when it does happen. And, you know, again, everything happens for a reason. He's probably better now than he was 12 months ago, um, even though he's not been that active. Um, his last performance for me was one of his best. The, the kid who we thought was a real tough tough guy he broke uh, Jack broke three of his ribs in I think it was the third round and he and he got through the fight to, to the end but um, so I think the rounds did him good but I think perform, from a performance point of view Jack's always pro- in the past he's always like gears you know he's probably been a little one paced he's defensively so um, adept at, at controlling the tempo and pace with his feet but he probably needed more offence and, and um, needed the gears to go through and we've added that to him now, and he's and he's, he's flying at the minute. So uh, I'm looking forward to his performance. I was going to say, is it important that Jack makes a statement next weekend because of the fact he knows that he's only a fight away from facing the winner of uh, Josh Taylor, Jose Ramirez fight? I think that's probably it'll be more beneficial to Jack. I don't think he has to look good um, to sort of make his statement to, to think because the fight's going to happen anyway. Um, but I think. Jack Catterall going into a fight with with Taylor or Ramirez, whoever wins, off on the back of a bad performance, it probably wouldn't be good psychologically. Whereas putting a good shift in, getting getting a good performance in, hopefully a, a nice stoppage, but but not too early, so he gets a few rounds under his belt, and then 
you know, build, building a bit of momentum off it. So, um, so I don't think it'll affect the the outcome of of when he fights for the world title at all. Um, it probably just help him a little bit psychologically. That's all. Now that is on the undercard of a highly anticipated and a long-awaited fight between Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce, Jamie. Um, just give me a breakdown of that fight. What are you expecting in that headline bout? It's a great fight, isn't it, for a start. And uh, I'm, I'm probably the same opinion as a lot of people where I think Dubois could get him out early um, because Joyce isn't hard to find. But we know Joyce has got a good chin. So I, I just feel... If Joyce gets through the first four rounds, then it's going to be interesting because because I think Dubois can box a, a bit more than people are giving him credit for. He's got a real good jab, um, but can he stay at a tempo what Joyce is going to set? And if Dubois has been landing cleanly and trying to blast him out and he's not going anywhere, that's going to play on his mind. It's also going to take gas out of his tank and we know Joyce has got a real good engine. So... Um, so I think it's sort of Dubois early, or if he's not got him out of there in four rounds, I think Joyce is going to outwork him. It's a great fight. Uh, moving forward, once again, Jamie, we know Martin Murray's in camp getting ready for that fight with Billy Joe Saunders. You said to me off camera, this is probably the most focused you've seen him in a long time. What should we expect to see from Martin come that, that bout with Billy Joe? Because it still seems to be a lot of people are favouring Billy Joe Saunders quite considerably at this moment in time? Well, of course, and rightly so, really. When you, when you, when you look at the stage of Martin's at in his career and look at Billy Joe, you know, what, what does it present to you? It tells you that Billy Joe's probably going to win on points. So, so he's going to be a massive favourite. doesn't matter to us. Um, we, we, he's always been a big underdog in all the fights he's gone into, Martin, but he's always surprised people. And, um, you know, this being at super middleweight is probably suiting Martin at this point in his career because for the last sort of four or five years, he's always struggled to make middleweight. He had a period of time where he went up to super middleweight and then come back down. Um, so the, the, the ideal scenario for me going into this fight, I said to Martin was, I want you to train and diet like you're making middleweight so you've got that extra bit of speed because he's going to need to you know he's going to need that little bit of time and his speed to to even compete with Billy Joe um, but you don't have to struggle to get down to the weight so do the weight like you're making middleweight so you've still got the timing and speed but you don't have to drag that extra eight pounds off and that's exactly what he's done he's, he's, he's in the exact place where I wanted him to be and, and like I say, focus-wise, he knows this is his last opportunity. And the old saying, a desperate man's a dangerous man, is, um, you know, Billy Joe, phenomenal fighter. I've got a lot of respect for him. And we know how difficult this is going to be. Um, but he's put himself in the perfect position to do what I know he can do. You know, when you look at Marty's performance against Sergio Martinez, I think he was rated number two pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world at the time. Similar type of fighter to Billy Joe, you know, tricky southpaw, um, could could hit a little bit. So it's a similar fight to that, except it's five years down the line for Martin. So 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 Martin's Martin's five years older, but he's also five years more experienced. And when you look at what's happened over those last five years, he's been more active than Billy Joe. 
you know, even though he's the older fighter, I think Martin's had nine fights or ten fights in that period of time, and Billy Joe's only had six. So, um, which, which surprised me when I saw it because, you know, even though I know Billy Joe's not been that active and he's been sometimes he's been hanging around waiting for the Canelo fight and stuff, um, I thought he'd been more active than that. So, so the, the, they're only small little factors, but lots of small little factors all add up. And um, and like I say, we know it's a tough fight, but there's those little things come into play. And then Martin being on the top of his game on the night. You know, it could be a big upset. Sticking with that uh, division, Jamie, we did have a big fight announced um, earlier this week between Canelo and Callum Smith. Just your thoughts on it, Jamie? It's a great fight, isn't it? It's, it's, it's the two best fighters at super middleweight going against each other to decide who's the best, which is all you can ever ask for in, in a division. Um, I'm glad Callum Smith has got the fight for himself. You know, he's been wanting it for a long time. Um, he's so big for super middleweight. How he makes that weight and stays strong, I don't know. And um, and and you know, on the surface of it, you think great fight. But I seen somebody, uh, Emery on on Twitter, um, sort of made a good point. He said, "I'd like to see if there's a rehydration clause, because I think the fight is competitive or not, depending on whether Canelo's put a rehydration clause in." Never even sort of thought about that scenario. And then it's a great point because for me, Callum Smith has got to be using that size advantage to his advantage. And if he's limited to the amount of weight he can put back on after the weighing up to a certain point, then that's going to affect his performance. Um, but, you know, taking that out of the equation, if there isn't one, which you'd like to think that there isn't because... Why should Canelo try and put things into place so he's got a bit of, a, of an advantage? Um, if if there isn't one, then it's a, such a great fight. You know, Callum Smith probably bigger in in structure than Kovalev. Um, so, and Kovalev was older. Um, so, so we know the job what Canelo did on Kovalev, but Callum Smith such a good body puncher um, as is Canelo. I just can't, I can't see it being anything other than a great fight to watch. Um, you know, one side of me starts to think that by around about seven or eight rounds, Canelo will start getting to Callum. But he's never been in there with a fighter as big as Callum and who hits as hard as Callum, who's been, you know, he's had to absorb that sort of punishment and then get to their middle rounds and come through it. He's always been sort of in control by that point. So, um, so there's loads of question marks. What, what Canelo's got to answer as well. Fantastic fight. Final thing before I let you shoot off, Jamie. Um, Akib Fiaz, Chantel Cameron, how are the pair of them looking after obviously their wins uh, a, a, what, about a month ago now? Yeah, yeah. Well, Chantel's um, been busy celebrating, but she's back in back in training. She's with Molly McCann, um, training with doing some UFC training just to keep her ticking over. Akib was, was in the gym the week after the fight. Um, he's an absolute sponge. He just loves learning, and uh, he actually finished off Jack Hartrell's last uh, spar for us. So, um, so yeah, he's been back in the gym, learning, and um, yeah, the, you know what? They're both they're both in great form. I think they'll both be out in January. Eddie's looking to do a unification fight with um, for Chantel. Um, I think the plan is to try and get all the belts at um, at Ten Stone for Chantel, and then fingers crossed if Katie Taylor's around, then we can have a a big massive fight for um, Britain and Ireland 
involving two undisputed champions from two different weight divisions, which obviously will have never happened before for, for women's boxing. So uh, that's the plan anyway. Right, Jamie, we will leave that there and I'll leave you now to enjoy the rest of your evening and to watch West Bromwich Albion overcome Manchester United at Old Trafford. Um, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you, mate. Enjoy your evening, like I say, and thank you for speaking to Boxing Social. Top man, no worries, Andy. <laughs>